Hey there, boys and girls. It's Ralph Garman, and you're listening to Talking Cod Swallop. Good choice. Hello, everybody. This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Man. You might know me from the Tell Him Steve Day podcast and the I Sell Comics podcast. Listen, I love podcasting. I love talking, but what I really love doing is talking cod swallow. Hey, I'm Alicia Witt. I'm Daniel Portman from Game of Thrones. I play Podrick Payne. I'm Ellipses, and you're listening to the talking... Okay, I'm Mark Bernard, and you're listening to the Talking Cod Swallow podcast. Hey, man, it's Kevin Smith, Silent Bob, whose voice you were never used to hearing in the 90s until I started opening it up, man. And that's because I'm a podcaster, and you're listening to a podcast, Talking Cod Swallow, right here, man. Welcome to this week's Talking Cod Swallop. I am Gemma. With me today, I have a special guest. And one of the reasons why I started this podcast was to give people who are very, very creative a platform. And this guest is no exception to that rule. So please welcome to the show. I'm going to actually say his surname, but I'm wondering if I'm saying it correctly. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> Gary Azaro. Is that correct? Uh, Azaro. Azaro. I do apologise. Oh, yeah. Thank you. No, that's so okay. He's coming to the show to talk about his board games that he does, which are very, very bespoke and amazing. And the company is called International Ridicule. It is. So, yes. So, hi. First of all, Hello. Gary, how are you? I'm fine, Gemma. Are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. I'm on full uh, 5G at the moment because I had my second jab yesterday. So uh, not too bad. I've only had my first jab. Therefore, that must be why my Wi-Fi is rubbish still. Yeah, sorry. You're only going on the 4G at the moment. So don't worry. It will come to you, though. (laughs) I I, I long for the day. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, but it's good that you've had your first one. So that's good news, isn't it? Yes, they looked at me and said, you're a sick man, come in for your jab. So, <laughs> Well, that, to be honest, that's the only reason why I've had the both of them now, is because of where I'm diabetic. It's the first time I've actually been really pleased that I'm diabetic, because I've actually <laughs> been able to be protected from this awful disease. But, you know, <laughs> sure. anyway, we don't want to talk about the coronavirus. <laughs> that never heard of it. No, what what virus? <laughs> so let's talk about your. Was it official to call them board games? Is that um, correct? Yeah. What what it is I do is I design and make custom themed property trading games. That mm-hmm. that may give you a clue as to the format of it because I can't use the official word that that's already out on the market. But uh, yeah, okay. property trading games where you move around a board, you can buy properties, you can build things on those properties and you can swap deals and you can possibly end up in a punishment square that kind of thing yeah and it's uh very bespoke the way that you do it as well isn't it i i design and make each one to order so uh i do them mostly on a commission basis so whatever your fandom be it a favorite film or tv show or band or sport or uh, as i have done in the past podcast then i can turn it into a bespoke custom game exactly how you want it Yes, and uh, as one of the people who's actually purchased one of them, I can tell you how amazing 
they are. We put together, well, it was it was sort of mine and your bright idea because it all came together at a Comic-Con, didn't it? And um, it, it did. I think you guys yeah. were looking for something as, a, as a, a birthday present for a certain other podcaster. Yes. Yeah, we can um, name and shame him. <laughs> yeah, we, we can name and shame him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Johnson of Tell Him Steve Dave. Yeah. Um, and I believe that was the first time we sort of had a, a, a mini British ant mute as a result of Kevin Smith being at London Film and Comic-Con. And I think in the pub afterwards when they were talking, you guys were talking about the present, and I think either yourself or maybe even Ian, who was with us, when we've literally got a guy here who makes board games. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> actually... bespoke. <laughs> I was going to say, actually, I think that I actually might be taking part credit here, but I think actually it was ian or as he's publicly known squeeing (laughs) yeah well he's actually known as squee (laughs) but i just like to call him squeeing to irritate him you know you can tell when it's a close friend because i like to irritate the person but uh, yes yeah that's why i always pick on james you know (laughs) he's a close friend but uh yeah i can actually say that it probably was uh his idea and then I latched onto it and was like, oh, my God, we have to do this. So <laughs> the only downside is that, well, when it was actually handed to him, was on a cruise in the middle of the, uh, obviously, in the middle of the ocean. And it was handed to him by my good self. But we're not 100% sure what happened after that stage. <laughs> I, I imagine he's on the cruise. There's lots of things going on that it, it's it's somewhere. Yeah, I think it's either going to be in amongst all of the Impractical Jokers sort of like gifts and stuff like that that they received or 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 Brian's got it. And, you know, you never know. He may play it with Sage, but it was still it was absolutely fantastic. You know, yeah, yeah. it's fun to do. Yeah, it was. And, you know, it was really good. One good thing about working with Gary with these kind of projects is, is that you asked a lot of feedback as to what we thought and what we wanted on it. Yeah, it wasn't absolutely. just your own ideas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what I try and do with each and every board game um, is I'll do the research. I mean, if it's like film and TV, I can do the research, but uh, if it's something a bit more, you know, if, if you've got a favorite character that died in episode two, you can still have them as the top square. Or, you know, if, if you had a favorite show that got canceled after six episodes, you can still have a board game of it. Cause that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the fandom. So I like to research as much as I can, but there's obviously little touches and, and things that people might want in each game. Um, and I've done family games as well before. So, you know, that kind of thing is if you want to put your family into a board game, then send me those photos and tell me what's what. The more information you give me, the the, the more personalised I can make it for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So before we, because obviously we've covered kind of, um we're not fully that aspect of things but you know we're we're sort of touching upon it but actually just before we sort of get into it further i was going to say where did the idea come from to actually start up this business and what kind of background did you have before uh, prior to it sorry the crazy thing i always say to people when they ask that is i made a thank you for a friend and it really backfired (laughs) um um, yeah no uh Back in 1998, the official company that make this property trading game mm-hmm. bought out a, a Star Wars themed one. And I had a friend come round one time and we played it and he we were playing it uh, just for a laugh. And he, apropos of nothing, just said, it's a lot more fun when it's themed on something that you kind of like, isn't it? Imagine having a game themed on something you're really into. That'd be amazing. And I went, oh, yeah. I didn't think anything more of it. And then about. 
a month later, my car broke down and it was a bit of a, a long and lengthy, expensive process to get it back on the road. And my friend, bless him, would drive out of his way to pick me up in the morning, Oh, drive me to work. He worked just down the road from me. He'd then pick me up in the evening and then drive me all the way back home before going back to him. And he would do that for about the next month with not wanting a single thing, no petrol money, no bottle of wine, no nothing other than thank you. And that was it. And I was there going, well, that's a bit wrong because he's far too nice and far too generous with his time. And then as you were saying about the background of it, I was working uh, for a, a print uh, repro house at the time, mm-hmm. uh, having not long finished my apprenticeship as such. But I was I was quite established and computers were slowly starting to come into the studio. OK, yeah. And so the job I was doing was more of a manual work, print like color proofing and, and uh, match print making, film planning, that kind of thing. Uh, old school print. But I was at the point where I need to buy one of these Apple Macs that are coming into the studios because I'll need to learn that. Otherwise, I'm going to be, you know, obsolete. So I bought myself a secondhand Mac uh, off a a colleague. And my first task was to learn all the software that I needed to learn was to design a property trading game as a thank you for my friend, which was a real baptism of fire. Uh, (laughs) and, And that one was themed on the comedy music artist Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, amazing. Because I'm a big, we're both big Weird Al fans. Um, but back then it was quite simple. It was, it was I mean, it, MacBooks now and what they do are, are so much more advanced than what they were in 1998. Uh, so I was using like, I think it was like Photoshop 4, uh, Illustrator 3 and Quark 3.32. That means nothing to a lot of people, I realise. But software wise, when you when you see what you can do in Photoshop these days, it was nothing like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because definitely it was like quite a lot of. Um, it was back in the days when you know technology wasn't as advanced as it is now, basically, isn't it? But uh, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I mean, the, the handy thing was I worked for a print repro company, and I had contacts, so I managed to get the board printed by a, a company that was situated next door to us. I learnt the craft of FIMO and made little counters and properties for it. Oh, uh, I designed all the game cards and managed to get my boss to run them off on our brand new color laser printer that was the size of a room uh, <laughs> at, at, at that time. I, I wish I was joking. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. Um, That's why I'm laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I, I hand illustrated a, a lid uh, the size of an old litho film box and, and housed it in that. Uh, and my friend still has it to this day. Oh, uh, he's just moved house. he and his wife have just moved house and he very kindly sent me a note to say that he'd he'd put the box of things gary has made me in a in a separate car with his parents to take over rather than with the removal van because he didn't want anything to get lost or damaged somewhere he's looking for it he's trying to find it in amongst his removal but he's got a photo of us playing that very first game uh, in his old flat and he's trying to dig it out for me so that I can I can pop it up on the on the social medias. Yeah, yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic to see uh, because you know, firstly, it'll be embarrassing probably because of like the haircuts or the outfits or whatever. You but, get you know. my big old ninety eight glasses, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. Um, I had to wear glasses when I was uh, f- from the age of five years old, so I remember those horrible I, horrible glasses. I I've been wearing glasses since I was ten. And and the teacher was of the attitude that, you, you know, you just need them to see the blackboard. And I've now come to associate that with why I spend so much time in pubs. Because they <laughs> they've all got blackboards. 
<laughs> yes, that's quite true. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're wearing your glasses, you don't run the risk of having double vision. So thus you can't get drunk. <laughs> I, I tend just to get sober. It's much easier that way. <laughs> yes, definitely. Drink until you're sober. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but I do I do like the little reference to um well you've called it FIMO. I call it FIMO, so I don't know which one's actually correct, but I'm gonna go with yours because you sound like you're a lot more knowledgeable than I am. Oh, I have no idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> Never but occurred I, to me. No, but uh yeah, I used to um I used to love that stuff. You know, I used to like enjoy playing with that and everything. It was amazing stuff. Every now and again, a certain project comes up that will necessitate that. And I've, I've got another friend who very kindly goes out of her way to volunteer herself and, and do things. If, if they're a bit unusual, she'll do it just to pass the time. She's like, I need so to distract myself. Let me do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. It's good to have friends in the know, definitely. With regards to the little pieces, because obviously everything is bespoke about this um, board game, isn't it? So yeah. with regards to ours, you know, we had like little microphones and, uh, oh God, I, I can't remember in full, so I, I do apologise, but um, I know we have microphones anyway. Was there ants as well? Or there were, there... I think it was ants and microphones for the Brian Johnson board. Yeah, well, first of all, people who don't know who Brian Johnson is, it's not the guy from ACDC. It's, no. <laughs> you know, basically, it's from a podcast called Tell Him Steve Dave, and the listeners are all called ants. So, like, the listeners of this podcast are all called Salty Tadpoles, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I still love to this day. But, uh, yeah, so they're, they're called ants. So, so me and Gary are both ants in that sense and yeah and uh, so back to sort of my question whereabouts is it that you actually get those little figurines obviously you don't need to provide a supplier or whatever but oh no no um yeah with with the i'll say the 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 first couple i did were were sort of fimo uh creations Mm -hmm. uh and again that's why i want to see this photo because i want to remember how bad they were sorry let me just mute her work laptop that's buzzing in my corner um okay yeah uh no, the, so the original first few boards were, were FIMO pieces that I crafted bits and pieces out of. Then I just, as as things grew, I mean, it started in 98, and then I did the odd one here and there for people as as, as gifts. Uh, and it wasn't really till 2005 where it really picked up and I got my first commission to make one and what have you. Uh, and at that point, I started sort of finding imagery and printing them as tiles. So tiled okay. counters, tiled properties. Uh, then over the years, as it got bigger and bigger, I would start outsourcing because certain projects just it was like it needs to have this as a counter. It needs to have this as a piece. So I would scour around online trying to find charm shops or like bulk uh, retailers, wholesalers, certain auctioning websites, certain uh, uh, mass, uh, maybe Southeast Asian websites that, that sell all kinds of weird and wonderful things. Uh, they would be a godsend. Uh, yeah. particularly if I had the lead time to wait for things to arrive in the post. But yeah, I would source like little silver charms or counters uh, or pieces for that from there that would be bespoke. And now more recently, um, it, it's still a, a work in progress, but I've, I've bought a 3D printer beginning of last year, uh, oh, but had cool. nowhere, had no room to put it anywhere. But then uh, we all started working from home and I suddenly found the time and the space to, to put it somewhere so i'm now experimenting with a 3d printer 
which will hopefully open the door to a lot more pieces. I've I've just finished a board game, uh, in fact, for a a a band, a comedy folk band called the Lancashire Hot Pots. Oh, they sound um, good. They're very good. I only discovered them beginning of last year, and then throughout lockdown, they've done a weekly online quiz. Uh, they've got a couple of music videos online. They've they've been releasing live concert footage. They've been doing chili challenges and uh, <laughs> cri- crisp challenges called Corn Snack Corner. They've been an absolute godsend of lockdown with lots of free, funny, and entertainment going on. They sing a lot of like say comedy sort of like folky songs. They'll sing about things like egg, sausage, chips, and beans, or they'll sing about <laughs> beer or crisps. Uh, they've got a uh, they've got a song in the style of Oasis called "Shop Mobility Scooter," um, <laughs> which which is great. They do a, like a reggae calypso about the bin man. It they they just lots of sort of, of very British, but but yeah, just yeah. very British, very northern, but a, a very great sort of sense of humour. So just for fun, off my own back, I designed a game based on on their output. Yeah, which they've gone they've gone nuts over. I, I premiered it uh, at the beginning of the bank holiday weekend, and I put it on their social media. They went bonkers over it. So I don't know if they're going to get in touch and want one, but if they do, they they, they are already on the list as as definitely getting one from me if they want it because yeah. they, they have provided a lot of help to the point that I had to utilize the three D printer uh, in order to print a shop mobility scooter. Uh, <laughs> Which which you can't get anywhere, but you can't buy that on the charm shop. But this is the this is the whole point of the three D printer is that I can maybe expand the charms into into all manner of weird and wonderful things per theme. Yeah, well that really does sound cool, and I like the idea of a three D printer. But how do they actually work? Because I have honestly no idea. I'm trying to sort of put it into Me my brain here, but oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you like scan an image into the into like a computer first or something for it to? You, I, there are ones out there that you you can get that do that that will scan. This one's not quite so high end. This this one is relying on files, but there are a lot of free resources online where you can either download files that other people have printed, uh, or you can you can go in and it, it's basically like a CAD based thing, which I don't understand. But there's lots of free online software that you can get into, and and you can create bits with like preformed shapes, or you can take existing ones and uh, amend them and and tweak them. So Ooh. it's it's a bit of a learning curve. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. I've basically become an engineer at the same time. Yes. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of uh, high end temperatures that are used. It it runs on filament. It heats it up. It melts it out. And then it translates the information from the files you've got into making it a 3D model. So I'm still not quite a bit sure of the bits in between, but as long as it prints and it looks like what it's supposed to, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's absolutely true. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, it's just it just baffles me now, you know, like to these uh, to this day of all the things that we can do nowadays you know it's how far technology has come you know you you were saying you know we're joking but you know serious about the the photocopier you know color photocopier Hmm. copier sorry being in the size of a room to now you know probably this tiny machine that can actually do 3d printing you know it's or in comparison tiny machines i'm sure it's probably not tiny tiny but you know (laughs) <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's amazing. It's worse. It's like when you're at school, uh, and they used to say, you know, you, you won't have a calculator in your pocket all the time when you're older. 
and then you look at a smartphone and go how wrong were you (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly in your face mask teacher (laughs) yeah i i sat outside his house at two three in the morning just shouting for his letterbox you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that i love i'm sure you probably didn't do that but i love the idea of that (laughs) and maybe if we are ever allowed to sort of meet up or get uh, meet up again we'll uh you know, we'll go and bang on his door and go, look what I've got, a calculator. <laughs> yeah. How wrong were you? Now who's the teacher? <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, hopefully hopefully meeting up wise, um, are all things considered with this roadmap plan, the London Film and Comic Con is currently going ahead in July mm-hmm. and I have a stall booked there. Yes. Uh, and I know that when I'm at London Film and Comic Con, if you're there, you will pop by and say hello. Oh, I absolutely uh, will. I I hunt I hunt the floor to find you, don't I? <laughs> you do. You do. You, do. you, you yeah. always pop by and say hello, so that's always appreciated. Yeah, and James to this day thinks that you're a mythical creature. <laughs> and, and after three tours of Olympia to try and find me, I, I think he was giving up all hope. When he did finally, when you guys did finally find me, I, I think I hopefully reassured him that I exist. oh it was fun though it was so fun and it's always it's always really nice to see you at the comic-con as well because you're you're always uh dressed in an amazing shirt that's uh promoting your your uh boards that you do as well aren't you i am wearing one today it's not even a comic-con thing these days i am a shameless walking brand hall <laughs> Good for you. well to be honest i walk around in the um my talking coswallop t-shirts and stuff like that so you know it's uh yeah, exactly it's, although we need to update ours soon we need to like sort out a, a t-shirt company to uh get a little bit more merch now that we've changed our logo but you know sure <laughs> but that's you know that's by the by but with regards to the comic cons do you find them quite beneficial then getting your name out there and do you ever like get people actually buying the boards yeah it's it's one of those things i i always used to go to comic con with a, a board game or two if there was a certain guest signing there for maybe doctor who or for red dwarf or something like that i would take my one of my boards with me and i'd queue up and i'd get it signed as a regular punter used to love going to comic con mm. uh, and doing that and i used to find that when i was walking around with because you know, you've seen the board games. They they are quite they're yeah. full size board games, but they don't fold like the traditional one. They're 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 a flat piece. Yes, um, and that's because each one is bespoke. It's it's not cost effective for me to start looking into getting ones that fold. And and then also you get a giant crease down the middle of your board game, and that's that doesn't look nice. You want it to look cool and funky. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so when I'm walking around with those things, you can't really miss it. And especially if you're in a long queue and people in the other queues at Comic-Con are looking over and they're like, where the hell did he get that from? So I would have people come up to me randomly and say, where did you buy that from? Where did you get that from? And of course, I'm there going, well, I I made it. And people are like, holy crap, I'd totally buy one of those. So you, you get that sort of feedback. And it got to the point from doing that, that I'd start taking business cards or flyers with me. So if people came over, yeah. I'd be able to say, well, get in touch. Whatever you're into, I can do it. Yeah, um, which is a, an amazing way to, um, you know, it's kind of like word of mouth, but it's 
yeah <laughs> i was gonna yeah. say word of eyes isn't it because it's like you know like people well, see the goods before they can uh, before they buy sort of thing ex- exactly it they, they they can see it and and i know i mean all they really see is the board they don't see the, the little cards and the, the bank notes and the bits that come with it mm-hmm. so it's it's that kind of blind faith that people have when i to give them a flyer that if they get in touch they've got to hope that i can deliver the goods for what they want so that's that's one aspect of that and then it got to my <clears throat> birthday <laughs> and Comic-Con fell exactly on the Saturday on that. It's a winter Comic-Con. I sort of said to, to a couple of friends, I said, I'd love to do Comic-Con, but the next one's on my birthday. Imagine spending the whole day of my birthday, the whole weekend of my birthday, being at Comic-Con, just actually exhibiting. That would be weird. And everyone turned around and went, well, why don't you do it? Was, what? <laughs> they sort of <laughs> called my bluff and said, well, if you'd love to do it, why don't you? It's your birthday. Why not? Um, and luckily, I've got a very understanding wife who encouraged me and said, hell yeah, do it. And then my nephew turned around and, and he was like, well, I'm going to be there anyway, so I'll help. So I booked it. Uh, I booked the space and I took the stall and I I, I took what I had. I, I took my time to sort of look at who was going to be there guest wise or, or what sort of things might appeal as a theme. And I narrowed it down to taking maybe like a dozen boards with me. I don't even I don't even take that now. I take about a half a dozen boards, maybe eight. Something like that. I don't need to take twelve, but I I, I took half a dozen boards with me, about a dozen boards with me. Uh, sorry, uh, on that one, and I sold maybe two games that weekend. That's amazing. But even then, it was the the buzz of being there, the buzz of people talking to people about it, people coming over and expressing an interest and wanting to know what it was, and people taking flyers. I sort of worked out the the model of me doing Comic Con isn't to go and sell what I've got on the stall. It's to sell the idea of what's on the sort, to sell the idea of what I can do, of what I can do for you. Yeah, so it's, in effect, it's, I was going to say sell yourself, but, you know, not yes. like in a prostitution, not well, quite in a prostitution kind of way, but yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm open to offers, but uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's more a case of I have to sell the idea uh, and, and sell the product and sell what it is. And, you know, if, if I'm at Comic-Con with a half a dozen boards and I sell one or two of them while I'm there... Well, then that's that's a result. That's great. But they're ones that I've made kind of specifically for the purpose of being at Comic-Con. They're not bespoke or personalized, but they are one-offs. But then once people see what you do and they go, what, you can you can make one based on, on my family. You can make one based on my, my favorite film. You can do this. You can personalize it. You can put my own photos in. The minute they get that idea, then you just they, they'd like take a flyer and they'll wander off and you can see the brain ticking as to what they want to do. And they're thinking not just for themselves, but for wedding presents or anniversary presents or, or, or you know, special milestone birthdays or, or just gifts in general. Yeah, it's honestly, it's an incredible idea. The buzz of just being there and seeing people's faces sort of light up and, and start ticking over as what they would have. Uh, and, you know, you get to have some great conversations. And, I, you know, I've, I've met some great people there, not just not just fellow exhibitors there. But I've got customers that come by every time to say hello. And it's great if they do, because these complete strangers who want to put a board game off me then start talking to other people at the store going, I've got one. This guy can do anything you want. Yeah. And it's just really nice. And people bring their friends over, which is which is just this is the guy I was telling you about. And that is that's just amazing. It's, it's nice to make friends and, and see regular faces. And after after the last year of not being able to do that. Uh, I'm really hoping that July goes ahead and that we can all, in some capacity, be in a, a room together geeking out 
over our own phantoms. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we're going to touch upon the Comic Con side of things in a in a minute, but just quickly before we do. Um, Oh, hold on. No, because I was going to say quickly that, sorry, that was my brain moment. Where I had a brain fart moment and then I'll go back to actually my question. <laughs> um, yeah, the nice thing about your stall and, you know, what you do and whatnot is when you are at a Comic-Con, everybody's brilliant and all of the stalls are fantastic, but there are a lot of people that are kind of doing and selling the same sort of things, which mm-hmm. is what is amazing about your store is because it's very, you know, eye catching and poppy, you know, like, it, you know, makes people sort of come over to it because it like, it's so different and it is such a different idea and concept and things like that. You know, like, like I said, there are obviously there's a lot of comic book shops that are there selling their merch sure. and things like that. And that's brilliant. But, you know, even like with the people who make stuff quite often, you'll see, that one stall they'll say for example badges um yeah random like this person will sell badges and then you go a couple of stores down and somebody else is selling badges you know yeah but i've never seen at another comic-con at the same comic-con another comic-con or whatever anything like what you do which makes it very very unique and um, yeah yeah i mean that's what i aim for with that i mean i mean there are times where where you've got like a three-day event you do look over at the guy sat in his chair selling T-shirts, £20 a pop, without even looking up from his phone while he does it. And I'm yeah. just sat there having to pitch myself onto the ever end, the never-ending speech about how I design and make them all, how you can have it personalised and everything else. And it's there's a Bill Bailey routine about being at Glastonbury and how you, you get the guy who will put your name on a grain of rice, uh, yeah. you know. And he'll yeah. write your name on the grain of rice. But what's in that astral fridge magnet? Oh, bloody hell, another one. Trying to fit it on every long grain rice, you know that. It looks over the stall next to him is your name on a jacket potato. And it's just a guy with a marker pen going, Dave, keep knocking them all out. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I look over, I go, wish I thought of that. And I'm just there going, I'm the guy with the grain of rice. And that guy's just the guy with the potatoes. Because I'm having to stand and physically sell myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But you're also very, very approachable as a person as well. So, like, I've never... Obviously, I know you, so it's kind of different in some ways. But, you know, it's like... Because I've seen, like, a group of people around your stall before, and I've thought to myself, well, I'm not going to go over right now because, obviously, you're busy. But, you know, it's kind of like watching from afar that you are really sort of passionate about what you what you do. And it, it comes across very, very well. And But it doesn't come across in a kind of ego kind of way you know you're not pushing these people into buying it you're just telling them this is what you can yeah. do for them like you said and it's really refreshing to see i think it's you know i think i think and i also wish in some ways there was a lot more of that at comic-con but not to do with your product because you know it yeah. has to be yours. No, i mean <laughs> i mean the, the, like, like i say it's a learning curve that since 2013 when i when i did my first one where my initial brainscape was to take like you know 25 board games and sell them all while I'm there and then mm. realizing that that wasn't feasible and just taking a dozen and then over the years you sort of go well if I just take like maybe six or eight or nine with me that's all I really need because people are buying the idea and it's it's that thing where people I don't expect people to walk up to my stall and see exactly what they want there and then they yeah. might do because that's what like I say I'll, I'll sell one or two while I'm there but the idea is I want them to walk away with a flyer and have a think about it. 
I don't want them to rush into it and go, I'm buying that one there and then, unless they really want to. I want them to think about it. I want them to fire their imagination as much as they're going to fire mine. You know, I want them to think of the possibilities of what they could have. Because you have this thing where fandom is a very personal thing. You can mm-hmm. be a fan and you can have hundreds of friends that have that fandom as well. But it means something different to each and every one of you, I find. And, you know, your least favorite movie is someone's all time go to. So whatever your theme is, it's my job to try and put as much into it as possible from a fan's perspective. Even if I don't know it, it's my job to research it and get to know it and then pick up little details and make little suggestions or throw little things in that a fan would love. And that's not always possible, but I I do my damnedest to throw little things in. So that each person who, who buys a board knows it's theirs. Yeah, which is brilliant. With regards to your boards that you decide to sort of bring, do you kind of think, like, who's going to be there? Like, who's the guests? Because that might create a little bit more of a buzz as well. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do I do sort of think ahead. And obviously, I'm, I'm a, a fan of a lot of things as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, an yeah. awful lot of things. And it's and sometimes I'll make a board game just... And I've, that, I've made one for myself years ago and i ended up donating that to a charity uh, quiz i was hosting uh, and i was like i'm destined never to own my own board game but over the years i've accumulated oh. quite a few that i've had signed personally to me because i've designed it as a fan yeah and so i will look at the guests of, of who's at comic-con and i will look at it of maybe oh maybe i should do a board game based on that maybe i should do a board game based on that and i also try to look at that guest and think they are going to see a hundred different hundred things all based on one film they're famous for. I want to do so get a little bit left field to that. So like uh, when they had Christopher Lloyd there a few years back, I'm not doing a back to, I've done a back to the future board. I've done a couple of back to the future boards, each one different. Each one is bespoke. I never repeat the design so much. I, if, if I get asked for a theme I've done before, then I'll tweak the design so that no two boards are completely identical. I might change a centerpiece or I might change a couple of squares or move it around. So each one's different. So I've done Back to the Future boards and I'm going to meet Christopher Lloyd. I don't want to go with Back to the Future because then you sort of become another one in the line. He's signing it now. He's not even looking at it. And also I think that's a little bit more. I don't know. I just I just think to to me personally that that you you want to maybe put some some thought into it. If I'm bringing if I'm bringing something I've made, I want to put some thought into it. So when I met Christopher Lloyd, I I took one based on the TV, uh, the US TV sitcom Taxi that ran from 1978 to 1982, which which Christopher Lloyd joined in the he was in the first series as a as a one off character, and then they brought him back in the second series and made him a regular. That's attention so, to detail there, isn't it? As well, you know that that will sort of stand out to him a lot more. He did give me a wry smile. I think I was possibly the first bit of Taxi. I mean, not just memorabilia, but also something he wouldn't have seen before either. And I'm a big fan of the show as well, so that that was a, a, an enormous boon. But yeah, I try to sort of think a little bit to the left of war, unless it's unavoidable. But um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where you kind of want to go to Comic-Con with stuff that's aimed at maybe some of the guests. Yes. Uh, but also, if, if I want to get it signed for myself, then I want it to be a little bit left field of that, just so it's there. I mean, when, I, when they had Robert Hayes, I did make an airplane board, because that's yeah. like, you know, the thing he's most famous for is airplane and airplane two, despite having done loads of other stuff, but nothing that's nothing that's going to capture the imagination quite like the airplane movies. So I made an airplane board and he was absolutely knocked out by it. Bless him. He he was holding up the board once I explained to him what it was. And he was like, you made a board game of my movie. And then he was like looking at the, the, the guests that were sat either side of him signing photos. He's there. He was waving at me, signing photos. This guy made a board game for me. <laughs> 
thing. So it's just nice sometimes to go with that that kind of thing. Of like I looked at the guest list and what I could do. Sometimes it's easy to jump on a bandwagon of what's popular and just take games of that. But again, it's not really what I do. It's, it's I'm too bespoke for that to yeah. capture each and every fan, each and every fad that comes out. Like I mean, Stranger Things. I think they bought a Stranger Things board game out before the second season even aired. But by which point, I'd still be rewatching the first series to work out how to put the board together but <laughs> that's why i don't want to mass produce everything yes yeah definitely and i think it loses its appeal when you've got loads of them out there to be honest i mean yes it is amazing like your friend sort of said at the very beginning you referenced that it is so nice playing a game when you're actually you know you love the product or you love the tv show or or whatever but um i think yeah when there is mass production of things it isn't unique and it isn't very special to to you as an individual is it so and no. like you being everybody else rather than yourself actually you know <laughs> but yeah so but also if i remember rightly didn't you one year kick yourself because you were going to do an in between us board and uh, blake harrison had, oh yeah, and walked through and walked past your stall or something. Yeah, I I was I was going to do an in betweeners board, and then it just became one of those things where it's it's on the back burner because of time uh, and schedules. And I was like, well, it's okay. There's only two of them from the in betweeners there. It's not like it's all four, so yeah. maybe the pressure's off, and I'll, I'll wait until all four are there, and then that'd be that'd be more special to do it for. And then, yeah, the, the the last hour of the Sunday, as everyone's starting to pack up their stalls and, and everyone's starting to vacate the premises, yeah, Blake Harrison walked past. He actually stopped at the stall right next to me and went to buy something. And the guy was like, no, no, have it on me, man, because I'm a big fan of the show. And he's like, oh, right, yeah, cheers, cheers, cheers. And I'm just like going, should have got around to doing that in between us, board. <laughs> <laughs> board game oh. wanker. <laughs> <laughs> You should have said you know what you should have said that you should have shouted that at him, you know, like yeah. a cheeky grin sort of thing. Board yeah. game wanker. See <laughs> <laughs> how far I get. Yeah, I mean, you either get escorted out or um, <laughs> maybe you brought one. <laughs> either way, but I, I, it's on the back burner. I will get it. The, the other one I kicked myself on was um, when they announced Zachary Levy uh, or Levi Levy as Shazam. I, oh, I did, okay. And I'd been talking about doing a, a Chuck uh, board game for ages. I'm a big fan of Chuck, all five yeah. series of that. And I was like, oh. And they literally announced him like two weeks before Comic-Con, which is no time at all for me to design, make, print, produce a game. And then he was situated next to one of the guests that I was already sort of going to meet. So I was this close to Zach Levi, but I couldn't. I didn't have anything for him to sign. <laughs> No, <laughs> oh. but next time, hopefully there will next be a next time. Yeah. Next time, uh, Stephen yeah. Baldwin and, and Brandon Routh have signed it since, so I'll, I'll take that as a small consolation. Yes, yes, definitely. And um, with regards to the ones that you've had signed, have you got like a favourite one that you've had signed? And also, what do you do with the boards after they sign them? Do you keep them yourself, like on a wall somewhere, or 
Well, the ones that I have signed, I've kept. You can tell how much of a fan I am by whether I have it tagged to me, because that's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I have a Doctor Who one that I designed a few years back. It was just after Matt Smith was announced as the eleventh Doctor. So I have one that's an eleventh. It's the eleventh. Do- it's the eleven Doctors edition. So it's got all eleven Doctors featured on it, from uh, David Hartnell up to Matt Smith, uh, and it's got signatures of pretty much. I think the only ones I'm missing out of the ones that are alive are Matt Smith and Christopher Eccleston, but I'll get them at some point. Yes. But it's been signed by about 40-odd Doctor Who guest stars or, or com- uh, companions or Doctors. So there's over 40 signatures on it. Oh, and it's, wow. none of it's None of it is personalised to me. Uh, hopefully, at some point, that'll be my retirement fund. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is amazing, honestly. Um, and that's but, dedication as well for you as well, to actually go and, you know, hunt down all of the people and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and there's that one is like a Game of Thrones one as well I've got, but that I designed that after the first series without really knowing where that was going to go. So it's it's a little bit possibly outdated, and that's another point about jumping on the bandwagon, like when they bring out these these official versions the minute something's a hit. Yeah. Is three, four seasons down the line, that game's gonna be obsolete. I'd rather do it when it's established and, and recognised. So there's those ones that I just signed and I've still got those and maybe one day I will find a way to get them auctioned off either for charity or to a well-meaning bidder or fan. Uh, the ones that I've got signed for myself aren't going anywhere. And out of all those, I've, I've got a few favourites. I'll say Robert Hayes from, from Airplane, who played Ted yep. Striker, uh, just because he was awesome. I have two games signed by Mr. Kevin Smith, yes. uh, which I believe does an intro to Talking Coswallop at the beginning. He does. He does. He I got does. it. I managed to get it there and then that that certain you day. Did. Yes, you did because he was and, uh, all these signs saying no photos and no interviews, but you yeah, got him. I got him, and that's all thanks to yourself as well. Because where you were there early with the stallholder pass, you managed to get me an earlier oh, I did. pass. I did. Yeah, to actually get. Yeah. So thank you ever so much for that. That's okay. <laughs> A perk of the job. These days, they don't quite do it so much as they, they've, they've sort of changed the rules a little bit. But where I can, I will. Yeah, now I've got two signed by him. So one is a, a general Kevin Smith board, which is all his films, podcasts, uh, projects, etc. characters featured, which at that particular Comic-Con, he A, admired my board game shirt first off and then signed it. And then in a world in which he had security behind him and a sign saying no post photographs, got me to pose for a photograph holding the board. Yeah. which he then put on his Instagram. I've sent the invoice. He hasn't paid the fee yet. But uh... <laughs> Can you tag on my fee as well? Because at the same event, he took a photo of my leg. Because <laughs> ah, <laughs> I had well, a Tell Him Steve Dave tattoo, but it's now uh, developed into a smod tattoo, basically. <laughs> nice. Does so that one, and then I was lucky enough when he took Jay and Silent Bob reboot to the Prince Charles Cinema Uh, in November 2019, before the world went mad. I bought two tickets when they announced it. He was doing a QA, and a and then my wife couldn't make it, so I invited another friend of mine, and I had the reboot board had come back from the printers, and I had it by my desk at work, and then the the cinema announced that he wouldn't be doing any signings. So I was was there, thought, well, I'll just leave it at work then, rather than carry it around with me. Until the friend that I'd sort of said, oh, I've got a spare ticket, do you want to come along tonight and see this? He said, yes. He goes, did you do a board game on? I said, I did one. Yeah, I put, I put it on Twitter the other week. He said, I might be able to help you there. I said, he's not doing signings. And my friend said, I know someone you don't, and they might be able to get it signed for you. And I was like, okay. 
Uh, and my friend knew one of his PAs, one of his assistants over in the UK. Oh, that was going to be the event. And so he, he uh, my, my friend had, has done a few events of his own in the past, organizing and promoting. So he knew this person. He kindly messaged her and said, have you seen this? And she went, I think Kevin saw this on Twitter the other week. And he said, well, I know the guy who made it. She wanted to bring it along. And she went, yes. And he went, I can make that happen. So thankfully, I we got there. We went to see the film. I met the, the PA in question. She was very kind and loving. But she was like, I can't guarantee he can sign it because he's very tight scheduled. There's three screenings tonight alone. You know what he's like when he does a Q&A? Yeah. Uh, he, gets, he gets lengthy. She goes, so I can't. I said, no, no, it's fine. I said, but I've, I've made it and I, was, I wasn't going to bring it because he said there's no signings. But, you know, I brought it along just in case because my friend indicated that there might be a chance uh, yeah. getting it signed, but I can't guarantee. I said, well, it's fine. I, I brought it along. They said there's no signings. I only brought it along because there was maybe a small chance it could get signed, but it's not a problem. And the, the PA sort of said, well, I've, I've got a cameo in the movie. I think that's amazing. I'd like one, actually. And I was like, well, I can arrange that. We saw the film. We saw the Q&A. My friend and I left. And as we rounded the corner to go back to the station, uh, his phone rang. And basically it was, get it here now. He'll sign it. So we pegged it back to the Prince Charles Cinema, got ourselves ushered through. And we, we were went backstage with Kevin. And he had a few friends with him. And he very kindly signed it. He told me he'd seen it on Twitter. Uh, and when I'd posted the, the original sort of design on Twitter a few weeks prior, I'd just put, you know, I've designed this on a film I haven't seen using only articles I've read, screenshots of a trailer and not much real context. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I saw that on Twitter. He said, and I think I thought you'd done a pretty good job. He says, so yeah, awesome. So bless him. He signed that again. And he remembered me from the last time from Comic-Con as well. So yeah, he, he kindly signed it. I had a, a two minute chat about Star Wars because my, my friend I was with was a big Star Wars fan. Uh, and then I, I, I wished him to have a week and left. And it was just awesome to get done. Oh, that is honestly, that's amazing. And he's such a nice guy because I remember being so nervous before meeting him. And mm. like, I was... Sh- actually shaking to be fair because uh, like i referenced earlier with regards to the fact that i'm diabetic and stuff it might have actually have been the fact that i was lack of sugar and stuff like that but you know because at that point i didn't know i was diabetic but um but yeah i was i was absolutely shaking you know like i was so excited but also really nervous about meeting him the nerves was not necessary at all so yeah, yeah he's... No, he's a very welcoming very friendly guy um yeah i think he's a big i think he's the sort of guy that he's a, as big a fan of you as you are of him uh which comes across with, with like he's as excited to meet you as you are to meet him so that's really cool yes yeah yeah definitely yeah no i agree um sort of going back to the i'm sort of jumping around a little bit here but you know going back to the the table at comic-con because me and you have had a chat sort of prior to this it's just an idea that i'm playing around with at the moment but i was thinking of maybe getting a table at a comic-con one time or in the future or whatever for the podcast to kind of promote the podcast and i just wondered what's involved with you know how how do you go about getting the tables and and if i may ask how much does it cost and whatnot but if you'd rather not go into cost, that's that's absolutely fine. Well, but, only uh, only because I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. Are you talking just to be like promoting the podcast? Yeah, probably. In my head, I was thinking like just get like a 
a little table somewhere and mm. um, maybe set up a microphone and interview people as they sort of go past and whatnot. Um, but, you know, more just kind of like tell people that we're here and sure you know. sure <laughs> yeah. See, this, this is the thing i mean i, I mean i'm talking from a like a, a dealer stroke exhibitor sort of perspective so i don't know whether you'd come under maybe artist alley or if there's like a special like press media section mm. um but if, if you go to the london film and comic-con or, or the showmasters uh website they should have a section there for exhibitors or press and media for me for a standard six foot by two foot table stall with backing walls uh and a backing table Uh, i want to say that was 360 pounds for the three-day weekend at london film and comic-con which is not it's not too bad is it i mean 120 pound a day i don't i mean you might need power this is the thing they'll charge extra for power stuff if you're recording and what have you it depends on what what sort of setup you've got but um going to the showmaster's website and and seeing what if they've got anything there to tell you or failing that drop them an email it's i think it's normally zoe that's that's the admin there and they should be able to tell you anything you need to know but most of the information is on the website and you can sign up to be notified as a dealer or exhibitor so maybe maybe drop them an email and see what they come back with because i don't know if anyone's doing that you you again might be a unique stall as well by doing that because i don't really see many podcasts being touted i see people handing out flyers maybe but not actually having a dedicated stall there so that could be a a unique point for you as well yeah because that's what i was kind of thinking um you know thinking outside of the box a little bit really because obviously we've had press passes for quite a few comic cons now not to sort of gloat but you know we're quite proud of it so and you know it's always it's always fun i mean i have to you know, I have to sort of build up my confidence kind of thing with regards to like going up to people. So, you know, like uh, I love chatting to people, but at the same time, I always get really, really nervous about chatting to people as well. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, take, take think, out a stall and make them come to you. Well, that's what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm always forever giving out badges and flyers and stuff like that. So at Comic-Cons and usually I and James sort of pushes me in the right direction or in the wrong direction, as one of the interviews was. <laughs> he sent me over to um, a couple of cosplayers that had done Star Wars and the cosplay were absolutely amazing there was nothing you know these people were amazing and sure. um they had something to do with the love of sci-fi comic-con right, and yeah yeah so we weren't at that one but we were you know obviously they had a lot to do with it problem was i didn't really know anything about what they were talking about so ah. it really came across that you know because i i like star wars but i'm not passionate about star wars sure so yeah, so and I'd never been to a love of comic. Um, sorry, a love of sci-fi. So yeah, it was a uh, very awkward. But at the same time, it broke my bubble, and then I was going around talking to all sorts of people. Then, you know, so yeah, he did yeah, me a favour. That's, <laughs> that, that's what I found. That my my first comic con as a, as a, an exhibitor, I was there with the stall, and my wife was there, and my my nephew were there, sort of backing me up and supporting me. And then the door sort of opened. I had the stall set up the day before. The doors open for the first day on the Saturday. And my nephew said, what do you want me to say to people when they come over? At which point I just looked at them and went, um, good point. I don't know. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea why what, oh, I'm actually here now. I've actually got to think about this. This is important. So, um, yeah, it was it was on those those sort of crazy on the fly. The minute someone came over, it was 
this is what I do. I, I kind of make stuff and, and yeah, it, I, it, it's evolved over the years into a much more coherent speech than it was. But, uh, but yeah, it's knowing what to say to people and, and, and also engaging with them, because especially if you say you can do anything, they're going to bring up their fandom. And at the very least, I sort of try to glean what I can about it so I can go, oh, that I know what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, and even and, and if I don't, the whole point of me doing this is I'm going to research it. So I'll, I'll soon get to know about it. Yeah. I mean, one board game I'm working on at the moment is a, a long running British TV series, uh, which I'm on series five. There are eight series. I've never seen it before. I'm binging through it now. I'm making notes. I'm, I'm sort of calling up files as I go along and just putting pieces together, knitting it together slowly but surely. And then I'll, I'll jiggle it around and make it make sense. But I've never seen it, don't know anything about it, but I'm working on it and I'm working through it now. There's eight series. Um, and, <laughs> and I've sort of emailed the customer and gone, I'm just bear with me while I'm watching it. It's not wanted for a few months yet, but I'm just I'm just putting bits together in my own head and on my notes. So yeah, it's that thing you, you talk to people at Comic Con and it's it's as long as you've got a bit of knowledge about it, then then mm-hmm. I think they're they're willing to put their faith and trust in you that you will research it. Yeah, and on average, how long does it actually take for you to sort of create a board i mean I, I normally say six to eight weeks from design to finish sometimes it can be quicker and sometimes it might be a bit longer it depends on the theme really yeah um if it's if it's something i can watch like a film i can normally get the design together and get that done if it's like someone's family then then that research comes from them they have to tell me who's who and what's what and you yeah. know if they want things on the game cards like how they're sister used to hide behind the sofa during doctor who or how they were <laughs> thrown out of a supermarket for a toilet accident when they were three or something that's i can't research that they have to tell me these things yeah <laughs> obviously that is brilliant and i think the idea of capturing your family on a board game is just really amazing especially if it's like a special birthday as yeah, well absolutely yeah 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 definitely well I was going to sort of wrap up the episode now, but before you go, did you mm. want to give us all of your social media website and information like that so that people can go find you and maybe get early Christmas presents sorted, you know? Christmas, or... uh, corporate events, bar mitzvahs, weddings, birthdays, yep. uh, everything. Uh, yeah, the, the website, which you kind of may have got the gist from everything that goes into the board games the website needs constant updating and it still needs updating at the moment because i'm too busy making the games to keep the website up to speed (laughs) uh but the website is www.internationalridicule.co.uk or you can find me on facebook.com slash international ridicule or if you're on twitter and instagram it's at ir boards fantastic thank you very much and what i will yeah, no, you're absolutely welcome. You know, it's like, I think, you know, it's like I said at the very beginning, it's lovely when somebody's got something creative that, you know, we can sort of discuss. But it's also nice to just catch up with you as well. Because, you know, absolutely. Like we've, yeah, we've sort of become friends. I mean, okay, it's more of a an electronic friend, <laughs> unless you're at a Comic Con kind met, of thing. We met in the queue for Kevin Smith after chatting on the Tell Him Steve Dave UK Facebook page. I think we got into a conversation on there on someone's yeah. post and then when we were in the queue for kevin smith we chatted and then realized that we were the people that had been chatting to each other on the yeah. Facebook page. so it was like oh <laughs> of all the people in the queue 
I'm right behind you. <laughs> which is, yeah, which is always fantastic. So, and I always like it that way. But, you know, obviously it's nice to see people in person as well. So anytime you're back in Dorset, let me know. I always say it, you always forget, but never mind. <laughs> well, well, the problem is I've not been able to get home to Dorset for over a year now. So yeah, fair enough. that's half the battle. Hopefully once we're yeah. all jabbed up. I can get down to Dorset and see my family. And uh, yes, if I find myself near Weymouth yep. uh, and surrounding areas, I will tap you up. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. We'll look forward to seeing you. So I think in this case then, Gary, I was going to call you James for a second there. <laughs> well, I'll answer to anything if you're going to buy a board game. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to have full Steve in a glory hole. So, you know, <laughs> if you're James. I'm, I'm, I'm flexible. <laughs> well in that case gary i think that we've been talking enough codswallop this week i have been Gemma, and i've been gary you have okay. thank you ever so much and everyone go and check out his boards because honestly you will be mind blown so there we go thank you <laughs>